This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. Today, a little special treat because I've always said that we are a show about everything, not just football, baseball, basketball. Today, I have a special guest on someone that's been a friend of mine for many years, the great Dr. Dave Major, head coach and associate AD of the greatest university on this planet, St. John's <laughs> University. Coach Mazur, how are you? Good, Sergio. Thanks for having me on, and I appreciate the, the glorious introduction and certainly appreciate St. John's University being known as the top university in the United States, so that's much appreciated. And a special thank you to you because you, uh, I had the opportunity to have you coach my second child, Jesse, who just graduated from Stevens uh, in, in, um, in Hoboken, Stevens University. And you were a fantastic mentor and coach for her on the softball field. So I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for everything you did for her and many other young, uh, young ladies out there in challenging them and improving them as, as athletes and people. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Your resume reads something made up. That's how good it is. 21 NCAA tournaments, four Final Fours, national title in 1996. You know, I saw something very interesting while I was doing a little research from 96 through 05, the only team in the country to reach the Sweet 16 every year, nine Big East titles. Man. Did you ever think when you got into coaching that your resume would be or ultimately end up this extensive? Sergio, I never really worried about my resume. I worried about winning each game, you know, coaching our teams fairly, you know, uh, focused and hard and trying to make sure that, you know, we were doing all the things within our program, within the team to kind of build a team that has character, build a team that has toughness, build a team that can play at a high pace. You know, in sports, you know, the teams that can play at a, at a high tempo generally do well, right? So if you're looking at either it's football, baseball, um, you know, basketball, it's those kind of teams that know how to play at a, at a faster level and a quicker level usually have, can read situations better and, 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 and be more in tune. So, you know, we've challenged ourselves to do that. We haven't really stayed off the mission. We've had to adjust, you know, with the times, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, finding different ways to educate the kids and continually kind of up with different uh, mechanisms to teach with and to make it fun and interesting and exciting and make the journey and the process to go to each game an exciting one. You know, that journey into the game is a special one and you got to, treat every game like a major performance like you're putting on a show and uh, you have to do rehearsals and prepare and enjoy that process and then when it's game time it's time to put it all out on the line you graduate from Columbia High School <clears throat> you go to Rutgers where you're a two-time All-American at what point did you say to yourself this is the profession that I want to get into well, that's an interesting question. So at first I went to South Carolina out of, out of, uh, out of Columbia High School, and I went there under Mark Burson, who just retired and was a great mentor to me as well. 
And then I ended up transferring home and, and going to Rutgers and playing under Coach Riasso. And, you know, both Gene Chiswitz and Coach Riasso had a lot to do with me becoming a coach, you know, uh, learning under Coach Chiswitz for so many years, going All-American and, you know, other things. I played basketball in high school and was like, you know, a little bit of a, you know, I loved sports and loved being involved in all kinds of athletics and that was who I was. And so really going into it, I was a point guard in basketball and, you know, some of that led me to, you know, having the, the, the mind and the tactical mind to become a coach, you know, a lot of my mentors and the people that I grew up playing for and learning. And so always, you know, I had it in the back of my mind when I graduated Rutgers was kind of the fold of the NASL. So the NASL folded like in 1984-85. And so there was no professional soccer to go to. So I actually got a job working for United States Lines. I worked in a World Trade Center. I sold shipping space to the Middle East, to India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. And we actually uh, exported to Saudi Arabia and imported and exported to those countries. And so I did that for a while. And then I got drafted by the Chicago Sting as a major indoor soccer league. And I went and said, well, let me go play soccer. And that's what led me back into coaching and playing. You get to St. John's. You get to St. John's in 1991 after a, a, a brief stint at Montclair State at the Division Three level. Yeah. When, when you got to St. John's, immediately you took that program to the next level. I mean, in five years, you won a national title. How has soccer changed? How has the landscape of soccer changed from when you got there in '91 to where it is? Now, in reference to the recruiting, the way you guys go about day-to-day with your business, et cetera. So I guess back in 91 when we got, when I got to St. John's, it was built around like club teams and the club teams then would go to what's called the Olympic Development Program. And so each state had their state team. You had to make the state team and then players there uh, would then, you know, then try for a regional team. And you'd have a Northeast region, the regional teams would play each other, and then that was the Olympic Development Program. And that was the way where the players got identified the best. Now it's more of an academy-based system where, you know, everybody calls themselves an academy and every pro team in Major League Soccer, you know, hadn't even started yet back in 1991. Major League Soccer started in 1996, and then, they really didn't get big with their academies probably till 2003, 2004 and start putting in. So it's changed quite a bit, quite a, quite a bit from that. And there was always international players coming to the state. So even when I first took over St. John's, you know, we had, you know, Yui Ferguson and Colin Carter came up from Jamaica and Yui was our first, you know, All-American player here. And he's our leading goal scorer of all time. So I was fortunate enough to get Yui to come in. And, you know, we had Terry Murphy come from Ireland, was the center back. And, you know, we had a bunch of guys. David Price transferred in from Bridgeport. And, you know, and then we got Kevin Daly to come in from Leeds, who's being inducted to our Athletic Hall of Fame. But they came through, like, word of mouth and contacts that you had and written letters. So now there's all these agencies, Sergio, similar to what you'd have in in basketball and football overseas that, you know, are sending players over here from Spain, from Iceland, from Germany, from England, from uh, 
South America, from Central America, from Africa, from every country you can imagine, you know, they're sending from Chile and there's companies that work in all these areas. And their main goal is to foster some of the talent they have in their countries to the United States to begin. And France is a big one as well. I left that out. I shouldn't have left that out. So all those countries are coming to the States and they're playing soccer here in Division One, And it's really created a, a scenario where, like in the ACC, back in the day where the ACC was the top conference, there was almost no foreign players in the ACC. Now the ACC has got a lot of foreign players. And so does every other Division One college in the country. And it's kind of created a, a little bit of a, a harder time for the American kid to find his way in, onto a Division One roster or even get a scholarship in Division One. One of the things that I do love about college soccer, particularly at the Division One level, is how there is a wider pool of the teams that can win it all. It seems that in most of the other sports, because of the disparity, I mean, it could be because of disparity of scholarship numbers, the uh, the tradition of certain programs, they tend to get the talent, and year after year, it becomes a championship centered around 10 to 12 teams. In soccer, if you look at the top 25 five years ago to now, it's totally different. How unique is that for someone who's got a team that could win a national title every year that is not in what is what's what would be considered a traditional power five conference well you know it, it, there's been some schools you know and in, in i think we've been one of them connecticut's been another one providence over the last couple of years teams that have been able to make a final four Georgetown in particular in our conference has been, you know, to two or three, five, fours now and just won the national championship. So those programs have done very, very well as the non-Power 5 school in the Big East, you know, as far as making it to a Final Four and, you know, a national championship school like Seton Hall made it to, you know, the Elite Eight last spring and did really well. So there is room those schools to kind of step up. Marshall, as you're well aware, just won the national championship. It doesn't come from a Power 5 conference. It is built on a, a lot of kids from Germany and a lot of kids from Brazil. And, you know, one local kid, and they had, they got a very good coach who was able to put this all together and, you know, did a phenomenal job at putting the team together. And so there's been a huge influx of uh, different programs. Akron, you know, has traditionally been a very top soccer team. And it's been a top soccer team because the administration and coaching and support behind it is very strong, you know. And so they're able to then try to get out and, and get some of the top talent both here in the, in, in the United States and then, of course, internationally, you know. So, and we've been, you know, part of that group for many, many years, and we're trying to still maintain that. So, you know, as far as resumes and things like that are concerned, you know, I'm more focused on what we're we doing today and what's our next, you know, assignment and how do I make our team better and how do we continue to try to win these games that are becoming very, very tight across all of the Division One soccer landscape. Speaking about this season, 8-3, and 3-1-1, in the conference, Seton Hall tomorrow, 
And then you have that game with number one with the number one team in the country, Georgetown, looming. Yep. I know you're gonna give me the coaching cliche about not looking ahead to Georgetown, right? I get that. Especially after Seton Hall's run last year. They're not doing Perfect. that great this year in the league. They're 0-4. But obviously in the Big East, anybody can beat anybody. The disparity between the top team and the bottom team is not very, very wide. But when you guys have games like this Georgetown game looming ahead, do you worry that the kids are going to also look past Seton Hall? Because let's be honest, you need this game at, you know, you're sitting in the fourth spot right now. You could yeah. jump, you could jump PC if you can win this game. So I don't think, you know, look, look, it's not about jumping anyone. You, we have to win each game in front of us and every game is really a tough match. And the minute, the only thing we'll look at is we'll have a stretch of games. We'll have three games in, in basically six days or seven days. That is a, is a big deal. And, you know, it starts with Seton Hall. And we put all our energy into that. And we know Georgetown's around the corner. We have to travel down there. And then we have to come home to Marquette which has done very well in the league this year and has, uh, has won some very, uh, has won some games over some very good teams. You know, I think, uh, you know, in the league this year, both Seton Hall and Creighton are, haven't won a game, but are, are, were picked to be like second and third in the league. And, you know, both teams are, you know, perennial national powers, especially after last season. And, um, you know, we played Creighton and it was a tight game and we ended up winning at home. But, you know, we had to, you know, take advantage of a little slight miscue on their part to, to, to get that one. And we know each and every game is going to be tight. And, uh, you know, we unfortunately lost in double overtime to Providence for only loss. And Providence was losing to Seton Hall 2-1 to one and ended up coming back and scoring two very goals late. And, uh you know, we just know that all these games have been decided by, uh, you know, a little play here and a little play there. And so our focus and our energy, you know, has to be right for each and every match. How weird has it been because of COVID? You couldn't play last year your regular season. You ended up playing it in the spring. How weird has it been playing in the spring and then having to ratchet up again, essentially four months after the season ended you know, what have you guys done different? What did you, how did you prepare different? And how did, the, how are the kids reacting to that? I think they like it. It's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to play in the spring and it was really enjoyable. And, uh, you know, the kids then go to summer league and then they take hopefully a little bit of time off and get themselves, you know, a little more fit and organized to come in for preseason. And then we're ready to play again. I think the one thing we forgot is about, you know, not to travel, but the game in game out scenario. So now we're playing, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday involves some travel. It involves, you know, us going to Georgetown on a Wednesday and being back here to play Saturday against Marquette, you know, it involved us being at Connecticut and then, you know, being home to Providence and then away at Villanova. So you have to be able to take those, those games in a cycle and, you know, be ready to go. And it's a little bit like, you know, uh, some of the men's basketball schedule, but I think the kids enjoy it. You know, it's a, it's a fun challenge and an opportunity to kind of prepare, you know, quickly and, and readily and uh, be ready. It'd be nice to be, a, you know, to have our season play both fall and spring. So if somebody gets injured, you know, so our top forward right now, Tani Alawasu, who is Big East, you know, 
Big East Offensive Player of the Year in 2019, scoring 14 goals, and he scored another five last spring, is out, hasn't played at all in his senior year, you know, which is a shame, you know. So we're having to overcome that obstacle, and we've done so, and we're looking to continue that. That's a lot of people step up and, and, and play well, and we're hopeful that we'll continue. Do you think your guys are going to have to win the Big East tournament to get into the NCAA tournament this year, or do you think that I, that the Big East can get they, more than more than two bids this year? We usually get more than two, and I think this year the, the you know right now we're the fourth team. I guess our RPI is thirty-two, and so you know right now we'd probably be in a good position to get a bid if. Uh, if the season ended now and now, you know, we just have to make sure that we stay focused and, you know, we have five games left and, you know, we need to win, you know, hopefully three of those games or four of those games to, you know, get us up to 12 wins and, you know, hopefully increase our RPI a little bit. And, you know, I, I do believe the league will get four teams in the NCAA tournament this year. We just have to make sure that we're one of them. And the only way to do that is to win you know, win a good portion of our games, get to the tournament, and, 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 you know, try to make sure that we're, you know, being successful. So I think we should have four teams in, in the NCAA tournament, and we need to be one of them. So that's how I have to look at it. Coach, let me, let me go off track here a little. You know, for years, for years, the United States has struggled as a country in World, World Cup soccer. What do you think is the biggest issue that affects us as a, as a country when we're beginning to put these teams together that are going to represent the country? What's the reason why a country of 350 million people with the best resources, technology, uh, athletes, we cannot put it together in a sport where athleticism dominates so it's not just athleticism right so you know it's about you know creating and, and developing players and our players have been very good over the years whether you go back to the time with Tony Miola, John Arts, Pat Ramos all played for the U.S. national team they're very good players you know Eric Winald a very good player so we've had some top level players we maybe didn't have you know, the culture here of winning. And I think what's happening now is our players are getting overseas and getting in with some of the bigger teams, whether it's, you know, Dortmund or Chelsea, and we're getting more of them in. So the, the norm now is to go overseas and play for some of the big clubs and have an active, you know, active moment in there. And I think as that occurs, we're going to become more and more, you know, confident and have deeper teams and be able to maybe – play in a regular day-in, day-out basis with some of the top teams, both in Europe and in, in South America, because that's really where the dominance is coming from. It's coming from the Germany, the Italy, the Brazil, the Argentina. You know, those types of teams have always been, you know, kind of on top. And I think, you know, we're going we're gonna to slowly get there as uh, time goes on. I think the other problem is that, you know, we are a big country and, and there's a big marketing effort in our country. And so I think, you know, our teams understanding who they are as a team 
not having players play. So it would be like it would be like a European team coming over to play us in basketball, but they only have two players in the NBA out of you know a twelve man roster, right? Correct. And the NBA is where the best players are. So and then you know then yeah that team can maybe beat that NBA team, but that team has to know who it is. You know, do they move the basketball? Do they play as a team? Or are they a little individualistic? If they're individualistic, they'll have no chance of beating the NBA team. If they're a, a collective team and do some things better, whether it's shoot, pick, rebound, they're more disciplined. And I think in some, in some regard, we've struggled in that area, keeping that kind of focus at the international level for our teams to be as focused and committed to play with maybe a little bit less talent against the top teams and still get results. And I think two things are happening. A, we're getting more disciplined. We're getting more focused as, as, as a country and what we need to do to be successful. And we're getting more talent. So we're getting more and more talent playing. And to be honest, playing in the CONCAP region is tough. Like going sometimes to Costa Rica or to Panama or to El Salvador, they're not easy games to win um, in those kind of environments. And so, although certainly, I guess, in South America, it's, uh, it's probably a lot harder. And in Europe, it's maybe harder because there's better teams on an overall game-in-game-out basis. But some of the venues aren't easy to play in for World Cup qualifying. But I guess to answer that question, you know, in a more succinct format, is that our talent level is getting better with a lot more experience at major clubs. And I think our focus and understanding of what we need to do to compete maybe with teams that have more talent with us is, is I think, uh, you know, is escalating. And the knowledge of how to win those games and stay organized and take advantage of moments in a game is, is, is developing. And if you go back to 2002, I think we made the final eight, right? We lost to Germany and had a really good chance and, um, so that team under Bruce Arena did very, very well. And, uh, you know, we're, we need to try and find a way to replicate that with even more talent and deeper squad. Last thing from me here. So besides being one of the top five winning is active coaches in the country right now, you also happen to be the associate AD at a university which prides itself with their athletics. Yeah, you know, you obviously... Uh, Mike Craig has done a great job there since coming in a couple of years ago. Speak to me about the landscape of St. John's right now as a university. I, you know, I, the basketball team tends to get all of the attention and look rightfully so, right? They are the program that is the face of the university in terms of revenue, right? But speak to me about the landscape of the university where it's at right now. You've been there through all the highs, lows. I mean, through everything. I mean, you've been there for so long what's the state of the university right now athletically i think you know i think as you said mike craig has come in and gave us a new like kind of a lift both from a you know a you know a little bit of a choreograph and changing some things and, and you know making us a little more prominent both within the university externally with our alumni um, provides a lot of energy and a, and a can-do attitude for all our coaches and all our student athletes and I think that's been, you know, going on for many years, but I think it's, it's getting a little bit more of a prominent lift under, under, uh, under Mike Craig. And so that aspect of it's been very, very positive for all our coaches, all our student athletes. I think, 
you know, playing in the Big East Conference has been a big benefit. And, um, you know, Mike Anderson coming in and, and doing what he was able to do last year and winning coach of the year and, you know, putting basketball a little bit back, you know, in a stronger foothold on the map has, has done really well for, you know, the athletic department and the university. And, um, but beyond that, we've had winning programs. Our volleyball team has recently won the Big East Championship and has a history of great success. Our baseball team has had a history of great success. Our track and field program under Coach Jim Hurd, just retired, has had, you know, a lot of great athletes and winners. Our men's and women's tennis programs have always been on top and doing well. We've had great golfers come from our program. We've had women's programs that have won the that have had Big East championship golfers and our men's programs had the likes of Keegan Bradley and Swoboda, like guys that are, you know, major players on the PGA tour come through our our program. Um, you know, I'm probably leaving out teams. Our women's soccer team has been perennially a, a, a Big East contender and, and somebody that plays everybody super tough and does really well and has recently won the Big East regular season championship a couple of years ago. So, you know, we've, we're all teams are out there fighting on a day-to-day basis to contend. Our women's basketball team won the Big East championship about four or five years ago. So on a whole, we've had great success through, you know, almost all of our, our programs at, at St. John's. And I've left out softball that had some great runs and, and was in contention for Big East championships. And I, I believe won one a, a couple of years ago. So there's just been a, uh, you know, a, a, a renewed spirit amongst all the different teams and teams are pushing each other up. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of great uh, momentum for athletic department and, and Mike Gregg has, has made sure he flourished that pushed it up to the top, you know, listening to the student athletes and coaches and what we need to continually make us a, a more dominating presence uh, uh, to give our student athletes a better experience and our coaches and our student athletes a better chance to win. Coach Major, you're the best. I appreciate you taking a couple of minutes bef- the day before a game, knowing how, uh, you, don't, knowing how you are. Yeah, I knew it was a lot. I knew it was a lot because you you started focusing on Seton Hall the day the day the Villanova game ended, but I appreciate you taking some time to be with me. All right. Thanks, Sergio. Much appreciated. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care. That was Dave Major, Dr. Dave Major, the head coach and associate AD at the University of St. John's. And you've been listening to the Sergio Rodriguez show, a show unlike any other.